Welcome to your first ever helping of oysters, clams, and katanas. Presented by Bolin Media, I am Ross Bolin here today with producer Cade Orris to digest and discuss the series premiere of Shogun on Hulu and FX. Cade, say hello to the clam fam. Hello, clam fam. And I'd just like to say it is an honor to be here. Ross Bolin, don't know. Isn't it also a privilege? And a privilege, as always. Barrett Dudley, our usual co-host, is currently seeking shelter from the hot Mexican sun on his honeymoon after getting married this past weekend. Make sure you send him your congratulations on the social medias. Barrett will return next week. And in the meantime, our usual producer, Cade, is pulling double duty, producing and co-hosting, and going to sit in Barrett's stead. Cade, tell the people a little bit about yourself to get us started. Yeah, I am 26 years old. I am from Indiana, and I've been working for Bull Media since, well, I guess full-time since 2021, and before that, I was a, a video intern for a couple of years in college, but yeah. So we've got a good age range here today. Right. A full decade Part, yeah. between us, yeah. So that'll be interesting. Mm-hmm. And when did you watch episode one of Shogun? Okay. Uh, well, I watched both episodes. Last night, it was pretty late. Had Packed an, them both in? Yeah, had an Emerald game at 9.15, so wasn't able to watch the first one until 11. Good so God. I, yeah, I didn't get... So you were up late? Yeah, I didn't get finished till about 1. Up last late. Night. Yep. Yeah, I watched both episodes last night as well because they dropped the series premiere and episode 2 at the same time. Uh, and then I watched episode 1 again this morning to make our rundown because, frankly, that was a lot to take in. Yeah, and I, I had to watch both of them again as well this morning just to make sure I didn't miss anything because there was just so much packed in those episodes. There was. And the comparisons to Game of Thrones for this show, to me, having only watched two episodes, for once seem warranted. It's a lot like Game of Thrones minus the fantasy, obviously, because we've got a ton of different characters with hard-to-remember names, different houses, if you will, We've got boobs, not excessive boobs yet, mind you, but boobs nonetheless. We've got heads being lopped off, people being boiled alive, a struggle for power between several different parties, babies being murdered, and a medieval-style setting at the tail end of feudal Japan. No uh, traumatic birth scenes, though. Not yet. Not yet. There's time. Yeah. Shogun is getting glowing reviews so far and is definitely off to a hot start with episode one. Um, we'll obviously have to wait and see how Hulu's foray into epic historical drama stacks up against the likes of Game of Thrones longer term. But with the Game of Thrones comparison thrown around so much over the past several years, uh, it's nice to see something that it actually makes sense to compare to. So uh, Not like Wheel of Time? Not like, yeah, because that doesn't really... <laughs> as much as I enjoy Wheel of Time, it, it it's not playing in the same league yeah. as Game of Thrones, really. And again, we are only digesting and discussing the series premiere today, episode one, and then next week, Barrett and I will do episode two and three so that we're all caught up. Now let's dive in. The series premiere, titled Anjin, opens with this ghastly-looking ship floating along in what we are informed by words or numbers on the screen is the year 1600. And we also get some words on the screen to set the scene, which read, For decades, Portuguese Catholics have richly profited from trade in Japan. They have kept its whereabouts hidden from their sworn enemies, the European Protestants. In Osaka, the reigning Taiko has died, leaving behind an heir too young to rule. Five warrior lords are now trapped in a bitter struggle. All of them seek the title that would make their power absolute. Shogun. So Japan is a secret that the Portuguese have kept hidden from the English for financial purposes. Okay. And in Osaka, Japan, the ruler, the Taiko, is dead. So there's a power vacuum and struggle in Osaka. That's our high-level setup for this show. And if we didn't have this text preceding the episode, I would have been significantly more lost. Yeah, no, this is very helpful. And, like, how accurate is, like, the... The por Portuguese and like English like beef they had like is that like th that's all based on like actual well, history yeah okay. yeah 
no, yeah, no, I didn't know much about that. So that's that's good that like we got that at the beginning. So yeah, you're, you're left asking as many questions. And in some ways, comparing it to Game of Thrones again, it makes it a little more fun because Thrones was always based on real life historical conflict that occurred like that's where george r r martin drew a lot of his inspiration from things that actually happened in human history this show is obviously more it's more reality based it's more historical fiction so it's it's uh we'll learn a little bit right those of us who don't know a whole lot about feudal japan like my the extent of my knowledge comes from playing the video game the pc game more specifically shogun total war when i was growing up like, that's it. Like, I don't I don't remember a whole lot of this from school. So uh going to be a learning experience. Kid. Yeah, no, I'm excited. No, I'm re- I'm ready to learn more about this this time in history. And this sure. show is interesting because we flip back and forth from English to Japanese, which obviously requires subtitles for those of us who don't speak Japanese. So our age-old subtitles argument here on OCC is really useless as far as this show goes because you don't have a choice. Unless you're fluent in both, which is not that many of you. Um, Kate, how'd you do with the uh, the subtitles? <sighs> not great. I don't. I don't know. Like, it seemed like was there an English? Like, it was all in Japanese. Like when they were speaking Japanese, or like was it also in English for you when they were speaking Japanese? At sometimes. No, it was all in Japanese. Did you have it dubbed over? That that's my oh, issue. Oh yeah, you don't want that. No, because like. I had the subtitles on, but they're also speaking in English. Sometimes they would speak in Japanese, like when they had like someone that spoke English present, because like he didn't know what they were saying. So like you needed the subtitles, but like right. Other than that, like the Japanese characters were speaking English. Oh yeah, and then like I could see like up. Yeah, and like I was high when I was watching last night, so I'm like I was like looking at like their mouth moves and like the words weren't like (laughs) syncing together. I'm like this doesn't. Doesn't make much sense. Okay, just to get this out of the way, you cannot watch a foreign movie or TV show dubbed over. It, like, destroys the yeah. quality of it. You have to watch with the subtitles and let them speak the language they're yeah. speaking. I, I, w- I wasn't, like, doing it on purpose. Like, I do enjoy, like, watching, like, like foreign films and TV shows and, like, just, like, you know, have yeah. the, the English subtitles. Yeah, yeah. But, like, I couldn't figure out how to do it, and I thought that's just, like... They're just speaking English, <laughs> and then sometimes they're speaking Japanese, <laughs> and I was so confused for the entire time. Okay. I didn't know how to how to fix it. So that's you silly little goose. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I I usually a fan of foreign stuff, foreign films, foreign TV. Some of my favorite movies are are you know in a completely different language that I have to watch with subtitles. And Japanese is one of those languages that I think is like really beautiful to listen to. So I am the opposite of bothered um, by all this, but I I do know it will be tough for some. The challenge is like reading the subtitles and also keeping up with the acting that's taking place in the scenes, and it you kind of get torn between the reading and the and the watching um, when you're forced into a subtitle situation like this. So something for everybody to keep in mind. But yeah, definitely don't do what Kate did. Yeah, no, I need I need to figure out how I can get. You got to get your shit together. Just the English subtitles, yeah. yeah. I don't know what's going on there. Anyway, our main man we meet on what we'll call the ghost ship is an English pirate who we later find out is named John Blackthorn, played by Cosmo Jarvis. Classic pirate name. I mean, the, the actor's name is crazy. Like, what a name. His parents must have been big Seinfeld fans. But yeah, John Blackthorn is like a pretty solid yeah. classic Pirate. Always gotta name. have a color in your last name for yeah. you to be uh, taken seriously as a pirate. It's not Blackbeard. No. But Blackthorn. he's Blackthorn. Yeah. And apparently John Blackthorn and the crew of this ship were looking to reach the as he refers to them, the Japans, but they are lost in the fog, out of food, and out of water. The captain of the ship tells us that when they began this voyage, they had five ships and a crew of over five hundred men. Now they just have this one ship. And a dozen men. So they've been getting the living shit kicked out of them out there. Travel in the 1600s was not easy. It was rough. And a lot of people died. Yeah, and they've been out there for like a, a long time, it seems like, just like going through the, the Yeah, seven they've got seat. the scurvy. Yeah. The cabin fever. Yeah, no, they look terrible. They're losing it. Yeah. They're losing it. And the captain of the ship doesn't even want to be around anymore. <laughs> 
So Blackthorn leaves the captain a pistol, which he kills himself with. It's a pretty bleak scene. But while I knew we would be dealing with like samurai and geishas and the like on this show, I did not know there would be pirates involved. And I freaking love pirates. So my excitement overrode the bleak vibes of the scene. I would note, if you're not watching on YouTube, we have a golden skull featured on our podcasting table here with a pirate hat atop. Mm. Don't we have an eye patch too somewhere? Or we can't I've got a couple different eye patches oh, okay. in the uh in the old costume closet over here. <laughs> but when we were doing House of the Dragon season one, I wore the eye patch for an episode. Yeah. And it turns out reading when you have two fully functioning eyes and one of them is covered by an eye patch gives you a terrible headache. Yeah. So maybe later in the season. If we get like a heavy pirating episode, mm-hmm. I'll see I'll see how I feel. Yeah. Also with this scene like with the the captain killing himself. Yeah. Um like you see um like John Blackthorn, he's talking about like, oh, like you're a coward if you do this. Yeah. And then but like later in the episode, his mindset kind of changes about like his about thoughts on suicide. Suicide, yeah. That's true. When that dude almost commits seppuku seppuku seppuku, yeah. Seppuku. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the water. Yeah, good call. Yeah. The ghost ship ends up crashing into the coast of Japan, where a Japanese Christian fisherman sees it and reports it. And Japanese soldiers end up storming the ship. They find some of the crew still alive, but obviously not doing great. And John Blackthorne, like, puts up somewhat of a fight. It's not much, He's but He's just yeah. like, ah! Uh, <laughs> not sure what his game plan was I, there. Yeah, and he was, like, clearly outnumbered. Like, his buddies weren't going to help him out too nah, much there. He didn't have much left in the tank, so yeah. they knock him out pretty quick and subdue him. And uh, they give us this shot, like, panning out. We see the ship is filled with, like, guns and cannonballs and shit, which comes up a lot yeah. over the first two episodes as the Japanese question the true purpose of the ship and its crew. Yeah, it's just to defend themselves, you know? Because yeah, they're no. merchants and, like, you know, just in case someone wants to stop them. Merchants got to defend themselves, right, man. Of course, right yeah. to bear arms. Come on. Uh, next, we meet Yoshi Toranaga, who's played by Hiroyuki Sanada, doing some falconry on the way to Osaka for a meeting with the Council of Regents. And let me just say, falconry is very tight. And that scene was tight. Yeah, that, that was sick. You just seen that, that falcon swooping and. Just murder the the shit that other. Ah! Yeah. yeah, no, it looked great. Like that looked legit. It looked real. It made me wonder, like, did they actually get a falcon? Like, you know what I'm saying? Because it wasn't. It didn't look like obvious CGI. Right. There wasn't anything in this first two episodes that I was like, ah, oh, you can tell. You know what I mean? That's yeah. like one of the things we look out for. Um. So I was impressed by that. Like I said, kind of off to a hot start this show. Uh, the Council of Regents specifically the clear-cut leader of the council, majority anyway, Lord Ishidu, tells Toranaga that in the years since the Taiko died, they have watched him building up his power, and it concerns them. So there is this power struggle since the Taiko's death, because, again, his heir, not yet of age, and this council of regents thinks one of their own, Toranaga, is making a move, making a play for the Taiko throne, if you will. And it took me a little bit to even grasp that Toranaga was, is, is a part of the council. And they give you that one line when he comes in and sits down. He's like, the seating arrangements are different today. Yeah, he's like, what's up? Like, y'all four are, like, in front of me, and, like, usually, like, I'm supposed to be up there, too. But yeah, like, well, I think it's normally they're, like, probably, like, in a circle facing each other or oh, something, okay, you know yeah. what I mean? Or, like, in, it's, but they clearly had it set up to where it was, like, us against you. Mm-hmm. And also, like, why was Ishido kind of, like, made the leader? Because it's supposed to be a council. Like, they're all supposed right. to have, like, an equal say, but it seems like he was the one. He was calling the shots. Running shit, yeah. Yeah, my guess is he's either the most powerful in well, terms of, well, like. I guess he was a general. I don't know what the other yeah. people were, so maybe that's why. Perhaps most powerful in terms of armies, or he's, like, bought and paid for the rest of the council. Yeah. You know, so we didn't get a ton of detail on that in episode one. All we know is, like, Ishido is clearly leading the, you know, the opposition to Toronaga. Yeah. And uh, Toronaga has even taken the heir's mother, like, sort of hostage, like, low-key hostage, while he goes to this meeting so that he can guarantee his own safety. And the council is not pleased with that, and they demand he return her to Osaka or face impeachment which is apparently a thing that has been around a lot longer than I realized. Yeah. Well, doesn't impeachment in this scenario mean just death? I believe that is the case, yeah. And they're kind of making it seem like 
regardless. He's still might get killed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're like, and even after you bring her back, we're going to vote on yeah. what to do with you, which seems like the underlying message was, we're going to execute you either way. Mm-hmm. And Ishidu says things later in the episode to imply like, hey man, you're pretty much done. Right. What are you even doing screwing around with, you know, this barbarian pirate we found or whatever? Um, so the council and Lord Ishidu is basically accusing Toronaga of treason, which causes one of Toronaga's men, a dude named Tadayoshi, to freak out. And he interrupts this meeting due to his master's honor being called into question. And it turns out you are not allowed to freak out like this. And Tadayoshi immediately offers to commit seppuku and wipe out his entire family line as penance. And this was... <laughs> well, yeah, what was this man's game plan here? I really don't know. I guess he was like, oh, we're going to fight! And then he realizes, like, I've let my emotions get the best of me. Yeah, like, he draws out his katana, like, ready to do something. Then, like, the, all the other people that are just watching this mean, like, also pull out their katanas. Like, yeah. he wasn't really going to be able to do much anyways. He clearly didn't think it through. And then I... He, the the punishment for this ends up being, like, his baby dies. Like, yeah. his dies instead of him. Like, I don't understand. It just didn't... Different times. Right. Yeah, crazy, crazy times. Big mistake, though. Should have kept his mouth shut. Yeah. Totally, (laughs) totally reckless. Um, So Toronaga stays in Osaka as, like, a prisoner of sorts, and because he can't leave, he sends his right-hand man, Hiromatsu, to investigate the barbarian ship, as they call it. Um, So, again, Lord Ishidu has basically taken control of the Council of Regents, and turned the rest of the council against Toronaga, who he sees as a threat. And for those of you who have not watched yet, just to give you a little, I guess, heads up, it's not really a spoiler, at the beginning of episode two, we get a little insight into how the Council of Regents even came to be in the first place, like how it was formed and why it was formed. So if you're confused during this scene or after, there is some clarity coming down the line when you watch episode two. Um... Yeah, so the dude that freaked out defending Toronaga in the meeting, Tadayoshi, who is married to Hiromatsu's granddaughter. So, okay, Hiromatsu, right-hand man of uh, Toronaga. Tadayoshi married to Hiromatsu's granddaughter, and her name is Fuji. And when Tadayoshi comes to collect his son, who is to be sacrificed as payment for his freakout, Fuji is not pleased. Again, very bleak vibes. She tries to kill herself rather than give up her son, but she gets talked out of it by this woman named Toda Mariko, who's a high-born woman and translator we're going to be dealing with a lot. And if you're like, my God, the amount of characters we have to remember already, not even halfway through episode one, is pretty intimidating. FX has on their website, on fxnetworks.com slash shows slash shogun slash viewers dash guide slash characters. <laughs> they had to make the URL complicated. They have like a full-blown breakdown of each character. So it's like a picture of each character with the name they're referred to by and also the actor that plays them. And then like one senti- sentence explaining who they are. So for like, for Toronaga, it says, Yoshi Toronaga is a powerful busho from a feared lineage. For Blackthorn, it says, John Blackthorn is a restless English pilot who went to sea seeking a new life and destiny. And they kept using that word, pilot, to describe him. I think it just means navigator, like somebody who can actually read maps and steer the ship physically. Mm -hmm. And that's the the title of the episode. Well, it's the Japanese word Word for for it. Yeah. Yeah. Aging. Yeah. 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 So anyway, if you get mixed up with the characters... They've got that nice little website for you to go refer to if you need it. Uh, I definitely needed it and used it <laughs> yeah. in the creation uh, of this outline. So for this Tota Mariko character, who is she related to? Does it say, or do we you find out? Don't know who she's related to. She's clearly in, um, what's his name? Toranaga, like in his house. Yeah. Somehow. But I don't know if they have blood relation anyway, or, or what her deal is exactly. Um, but she is like a translator mm-hmm. that we're going to be dealing with. So we see her pop up several times here. Uh, John Blackthorne resists his Japanese captors and says he'll pee on their whole country. This is one of those moments, like there's a few times in the episode where 
even though there's a language barrier, one character is able to kind of get through to the other regardless. Because mm-hmm. he yells out like, uh, I'll piss all over this place or yeah, whatever, he like but he kind of grabs dick. at his yeah. dick. And so the guy's like, okay. And then actually he, takes his dick out and he pees on his head. Yeah. At first I was like, is he peeing on the ground next to him so it kind of splatters on him? But no. no. <laughs> Full on golden shower. Directly onto the dump. Uh, very disrespectful. Yeah. But uh, also uh, kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, what was the, um, like, they're in that cellar or whatever before he goes up. Yeah. And, like, they're not coming out, obviously, because they don't know what the fuck they're saying. Right. None of them can understand each yeah, other. Yeah, so they send some guys down to, like, bring him up, and then, like, that doesn't work. Right. So they, like, dump something I on I think him. it was, like, a bunch of, like, animal guts. Yeah. Like, sheep and you know, dog or pig guts, and mm-hmm. but apparently just so gross yeah. that everyone down there immediately <laughs> stops fighting and just starts puking. Yeah, that even was even like the Japanese guys are like, "Oh God, oh get me the fuck out of here!" <laughs> <laughs> and they had that shit ready, like they knew yeah, there like, was a chance. Yeah, uh, get the pig guts ready. <laughs> right. We don't know how this is gonna go. Sending dudes down into this hole, and frankly, it wasn't going well. Like they immediately just like grabbed the guy. Yeah, they just yeah took a. A hostage immediately. It's also funny how they, they both sides, both Blackthorn and the pirates and the Japanese, are referring to the other side as savages. Yeah. They're like, you fucking savage. Like, both sides. Like, <laughs> everyone thinks the other is a savage, um, which was obviously saying something. And uh, then when they're escorting Blackthorn through town, because he's like, I'll go up. I'm going to talk for my yeah. crew. You leave the rest of them down here. And they start dragging him through town. And some Christian Japanese guy comes up. Well, and, uh, or he like, they had a translator, like an older guy, right. when he got brought up. And then that, like, the guy you're referring to, like, talked to him. He's like, hey, why is this guy being taken being or something? held captive. Yeah. yeah. But he apparently, so there's, there's a clear distinction made throughout the course of episode one. Some Japanese have been converted to Christianity. Yeah. Or and is it Catholic? Catholicism, but that's a form of Christianity, yeah. Yeah. And then some of the Japanese are not Christian. So there's, like, some lords that are Christian. Some of them are rocking the cross Mm -hmm. necklace. Yeah, like, in the the council, three three of them were were Catholic, I believe. And then the Ishido wasn't. Right. And then internal strife between the Christians, you've got the Protestants, the English, and then the Catholics— the Portuguese, mm-hmm. and they don't like each other either. So there's a lot of religious strife that's going to occur on this show. But this one random Christian Japanese guy who's got on the necklace and like it's very clear cut, like he's a Christian and he's somehow concerned for Blackthorn's well being. I think he assumes that Blackthorn is, is probably Christian. also Catholic, yeah. like him. He just comes up and like won't stop asking, like, what's what's where's he going? Where are you taking him? But frankly, not a very long leash in terms of how many questions you're lo- allowed to ask because <laughs> no. they just straight up decapitate this dude. Yeah, you, like he does does the sign of the cross and then they're like, that's he's enough. about to say a prayer, and then yeah. Precious said a prayer Done. for himself. Yeah, gone. Mm. Don't ask questions. Problem. Anyway, these people are not fucking around, kid. No. And that brutal like the brutality, the gruesomeness between that the heads getting lopped off and people being peed on, that was it's like that's on par with Game of Thrones, right. up to this point in the episode for sure. Uh, Blackthorn is brought before the Lord of Izu, Lord Yabushige, with a translator in the form of a local priest. And again, Blackthorn is a Protestant. This local priest they bring up is a Catholic, and I believe a Portuguese Catholic specifically. So this does not go well. Blackthorn immediately feels out like, well, this dude's not going to translate what I'm saying at all. This entire thing is a ruse. Like, the dude who's supposed to be translating is just telling Yabushige, like, oh, he's evil. He's evil. He's a pirate. Bad man. Mm -hmm. Kill him immediately. Not even giving him a chance. Um, But Yabushige decides to spare Blackthorn and kill another one of his crew. He's like, no, you can't kill this one, but I'll let you kill another one and we'll do it. In my special way. Mm, and what was that special way? Immediately, I was like, this is not going to be pleasant at all. It turns out <laughs> his own special way. I didn't, it wasn't even in my list of like options in my head. No. It's boiling him alive in a giant cauldron. Mm. Baby, he's got a stew going. Yes, he does. Why do you think um, he ended up sparing Blackthorn? 
I think he liked his his vibes. His vibes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the way he was presenting himself in this meeting, the way he handled that whole situation or, with the with the Catholic uh, yeah. translator. Because like I don't think uh, Yabushigi is Catholic, so like, right. he doesn't really give a shit. That's about right. the. I that was the, the impression priest. I got. Yeah, and like I guess Blackthorn being like, "Oh, I don't fuck with this guy at all." Right. And he's like, "Oh, okay, then we got something to work yeah, with here." I think up until the point where he rips the priest's like cross necklace off, throws it on the ground, and stomps on it to mm-hmm. let him know, like, I am not one of these people. I will not be spoken for by them. Like, he was probably dead. Yeah. But then once he did that, Yabushige is like, uh, well, you can't kill him. Yeah. I kind of like him. You can kill another one, though, as long as we do it my way, <laughs> which it turns out is awful. Yeah, sucks for that one guy that Dude. got picked. <laughs> I, every, they survived that fucking hellacious journey. Just for him to get boiled alive. Yeah, uh, and I don't, they don't make reference to it, I think. But like the rest of them, I'm assuming they're all goners too, right? Or maybe prisoners. It seems like a coin flip. Yeah, like we're not we're not entirely sure what's going to happen to them. But yeah, it feels like the odds are probably less coin flip esque and more like seventy thirty. They're going to die. Mm-hmm. You know, hopefully not as. Not in that same way. <laughs> yeah. Just need a bigger pot. Dude, it was it was fucked up because they show you the guy boiling alive. Yeah. Then they make you listen to the screams for a while mm-hmm. where, while they give you a, like a visual of Yabushige like meditating and listening. Uh, yeah. That's like he's trying to learn like, something yeah. from it, right? Um, and then they give you the final moments of the dude where rather than continue to boil, he literally bashes his own head against the side of the cauldron until he's unconscious and dead. Oh, that's what he... Yeah, he's like, oh, fuck this. Is that like, when he's like, his face is like melting? Well, they should, first or, you get oh, that, that shot, okay. his face is melting. And then like the final shot you get is him s- seemingly trying to hurry along the process yeah. by hitting his head against the side of the thing. It was messed up. But apparently this dude, Yabushige, is obsessed with the moment of death and how a man faces it. So I... I my takeaway was, like, he likes to find creative ways for men to die, like, torturous, brutal ways for them to die so that he can attempt to, like, gain some knowledge through their experience. Yeah, uh, hear or see, like, their final moments right. right before they die. But they made it seem like he was doing, like, just doing this form, um, like, a lot. Like, he hasn't tried any other Oh, he's ways just going to mer- the same pot yeah, over Yeah, he's and like, over. yeah, no, I'm not, like, getting anything from this. Like, I'm not really... You gotta mix it up, dude. Yeah, I gotta try different... Different torture. Clearly, the human stew is not getting you what you want. Right. He's a sick puppy, this Yabushige. But I honestly, like, honestly, one of my favorite characters through the first episode. Like, I was like, there's something to this guy. His general outlook and attitude that I was like, I was, I was into. Yeah, I still, still can't get a, a read on him. I don't know which way he's like, is leaning, like loyalty wise. Right. Um. So I like that about him. I'm yeah. I'm curious to see where that that goes. Yeah. Today's episode is brought to you by you, or at least it should be if you have any honor, because you're going to subscribe on patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles in exchange for so much more of our show every week during this premiere season of Shogun. In addition to our public sponsor-based episodes like this one, we will be recording and releasing an additional ad-free premium episode available exclusively to our supporters on Patreon, driven by hotline calls from our listeners who call in with questions, takes, and arguments. We play those calls and respond to them on Patreon in an effort to even further digest and understand what we have seen, which with this show is going to be very helpful. So on our public show like this one. We cover what happens on each episode and discuss. Then on Patreon each week, we dive harder, deeper, and further with insights from listeners as well. It's just $5 to officially join the Clam Fam on Patreon. And when you do so, in addition to all of our ad-free bonus coverage of Shogun, you'll gain access to hundreds of hours of exclusive content, including our entire companion podcast for every single episode of HBO's classic crime drama, The Sopranos, friendly to first-timers and rewatchers, as well as our bonus hotline call-driven coverage for Season 1 of House of the Dragon, Season 2 of The White Lotus, the final season of Succession, The Last of Us, Silo, 
Foundation Season 2, and True Detective Night Country most recently, plus a companion podcast for like 15 different classic movies in the form of our movie club on Patreon. So at any given point, you could pick one of those movies, watch the movie, and then listen to our companion podcast for that movie in the little movie club section on Patreon. So go today to patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles, and subscribe to support our show and receive so much more OCC in return. Again, just $5 to join the Clam Fam. And if you want to go above and beyond and also gain access to the exclusive hotline number and our Discord server, it's $10 to join the Mollusk Militia tier. Go to patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles today to support our show and get even more of our show in exchange. Do you have a... Because I know you like to switch up the the tier names for for different shows. You got one yet for... Not yet. I was thinking about it this morning. Yeah. I'll probably make a decision at some point this mm. week. We just needed to get through the show name first. Right. Oysters, clams, and katanas is what we landed on because, like, roughly a hundred different people sent us that <laughs> idea. It's kind of uh, felt like maybe we should have been able to come up with it on our own. Right. After how many people <laughs> sent it in? The other option was oysters, clams, and kimonos. Right. A lot of kimonos and this. All but right. you know, katanas. It's, yeah, it's a little more. We go with the weapon of choice. Right. Yeah. Um, next. We get our first boobs of the series when Kiku, the most celebrated and renowned courtesan in Izu, and a courtesan is like a, I had to Google it, like a prostitute of sorts. Yeah, kind of, kind of figured yeah. as much. She disrobes and bangs one of Yabushige's assistants, like one of his like guys, mm-hmm. while Yabushige watches on. Because like before porn on the internet, you had to watch people get it on IRL. Right. <laughs> and like... The, the assistant just, like, kind of watching her, like, undress, and Yabushi is like, oh, you pervert, what are you doing? Like, get the <laughs> fuck like, out of here. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> and, and she's like, no. She, like, brings them back, and then they start getting on, and then he's like, she's like, do you want me to stop? Yeah. And he's like, nah. And then, like, he's, like, kind of, like, turned away from them, and then he just, like, it gets a full, gets, right, yeah, full, <laughs> full little, turn. Full turn, you know. Put on a show for yeah. me. Uh, just, a, just an admission here, pulling back the curtain. The first time I watched this scene, I thought it was a uh, lesbian scene. I thought this was two women. Oh, you thought the assistant was? I didn't follow that, like, the dude he called a pervert (laughs) then got up to leave the room, and she stopped him. Oh, okay. And because of, you know... The hairstyles, everybody's ponied up. Yeah, but they're also like bald on top. I, I didn't. I, it, was, yeah. it was dark in there. I yeah. was too horny. The horniness blocked the you know my brain from yeah. being fully functioning. So you, you were thinking with your dick. I watched there. that whole scene like, oh fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then in my rewatch this morning, I was like, oh wait a minute. Not that it makes that much of a difference yeah. with, of the interpretation of what you see, but I was like. Oh, it's just even a little bit more like intense that he's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'll sit here and watch you two fuck. Well, yeah, that was that was a, uh... it was something. Yeah. Uh, the next morning, Yabushige makes his nephew is a dude named Omi who I don't even think we get his name in this episode. No, um, you meet him like when we like, what the place is called Izu. Yeah, yeah. You like meet him at the beginning when they show that place, but like, yeah, oh yeah, you don't get right. much about him really. Yeah, yet. so he he manages the village that they are in at this point. So he's like the local mayor. And is this uh, Toranaga's village, or they call it a, a fief? Yeah. So Toranaga is like the overlord of this area. Okay. And then you've got like Yabushige, who is somehow. Fairly high, like higher up than Omi. Mm-hmm. But Omi is, well, I guess because Yabushige is his uncle. Omi's uncle. Yeah. And Omi is his nephew who manages this village and is also apparently a poet because they're eating breakfast. And he's like, freestyle me a poem <laughs> about the so-called barbarian that they boiled alive. And here's the poem he spits. He takes like five seconds to think about it. And then he's like, his eyes were just the end of hell. All pain, articulate. And Yabushige is pleased. He's like, good, yes. That was dark enough for me. Really touching stuff. Uh, Hiromatsu, again, Toranaga's right hand, older guy, right? He rolls up on a ship because at first our dude, uh, who I just mentioned and now his name is already, oh, Yabushige, he's stoked because they've got this ship and it's got all these weapons on it. Mm Mm-hmm. And he thinks that Toranaga is likely going to die and that he will need to align himself with somebody during the fallout, presumably Ishidu and the Council of Regents, right? So he figures 
at some point, the non-Christian Japanese lords and the Christian Japanese lords are going to come into conflict, and the Christian Japanese lords have Christian weapons. So I guess that's one of like the, the upsides to converting to Christianity, letting the Portuguese convert you or whatever, or agreeing to it. They provide you with weaponry. Right? Like one of the big pieces of like the end of feudal Japan here, they're still rolling around with the katanas and the spears and whatnot, and all these Portuguese fuckers, they've got guns. They've got cannons, they've got gunpowder, they've got right muskets, you know, so it's like that's a pretty big disadvantage. Um, he figures if he confiscates all these guns off this ship, he can use that Yabushige as a bargaining chip to get in good with like the Christian lords who he thinks have a pretty good shot of like winning this. Oh, inner, you think he was going war. with the Christians? I thought he was going to. Or maybe with well, the other, yeah, he didn't he's, make he's it not, clear. He didn't well, make he's not it clear. a Christian, so like it would right. make more sense for him to you're right, you're go right. with like Ishido or whatever. Yeah, you're right. You're right. He, I could have read it that way for sure. Um, point being, he would have these guns and be able to say like, look, I'll yeah. come with you, got all these weapons off this ship, but that's not going to happen because it turns out um, Toronaga, this is why he sent Hiromatsu down there. Hiromatsu is going to confiscate all the weapons and the gold from the barbarian ghost ship for Toronaga since Toronaga is held up in Osaka. Yeah, and like when Hiromatsu like comes out to him, uh, Yabushigi was like, oh, no, like I wasn't going to like take it for myself. He plays it, was, it off, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was for Toronaga the it whole time. It was a surprise. Yeah. I was going to surprise him. Come mm. on, guys. Everybody <laughs> knows I do the right thing. Uh, so, yeah, Yabushige agrees to this because he has no choice. But he also realizes as a result of this whole scene that he has a spy in his village, which I assume is going to come up again later. I thought it was like the fisherman that like saw the ship at the very beginning because he was like the first one to see it. So, and I don't know if like he did have a cross on. I don't know if that helps. Oh, anything. he did. That fisherman did. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Seemed well, like a that, Christian that might ruin my theory. But like, I think at the end of this episode, there's a see... hell of a lot of people that are aware of the ship at this point. Yeah. Apparently. Um. But like, you see, um, Toronaga like exchanging like like they're sending like. Um, letters by pinge, pigeon or maybe carrier by, pigeons, yeah, yeah. So I'm, just, but like they show the guy who was sending it to him. Oh, okay. But I don't know if that was the same guy that was the the fisherman. Or yeah, not. I don't know. There were a couple of those scenes where I felt like they were showing us something with the carrier pigeons that I was supposed to be able to pick up on, mm -hmm. but I just wasn't. Yeah, just, <laughs> I was just trying to remember names, and, and, <laughs> yeah. names and faces. At for, that first point. episode, you got to get the names. And yeah, faces just got to get the basics down, mm -hmm. and then we can get into the weeds. Uh, Later on, but yeah, I mean, obviously, like the ravens in Game of Thrones were always inspired by carrier pigeons in real yeah. life. So, just another parallel we have like the real life version of that in Shogun in the form of these carrier pigeons, which just it's a fucking insane. I don't understand how they train the birds. Yeah, no, that makes no sense. To you me, know, like yeah. the first time they do it, you're just like, you're just kind of like hoping. hoping. Yeah. <laughs> And then you just got to get them to go back and forth enough times. Can the carrier, carrier pigeons be sent to lots of different places? Or because my read was like these two, these carrier pigeons go back and forth from these two locations, and that's it. Yeah, it's not like you can be like, all right, now this time, you know, we're going to send you to Osaka, and th next time we're going to send you to a totally different area. They've got to go to one place. That's yeah. what they're trained to do: back and forth from that one. But even then, like, how do they know? Don't know. Yeah. How they get there, I don't. It makes no sense to me. Yeah, in Thrones, they just end up like shooting all the ravens down at one point when they don't want messages to get out. Oh, that yeah. also seems like that would happen a lot with the carrier pigeons. Like right. you see one fluttering by, just like take it yeah, out and jack the message, you know? It, yeah, or just get get another falcon, take it out. Yeah. Um, so Hiramatsu also confiscates John Blackthorn, who, by the way, has been given a fresh haircut and fresh fit. Yeah, and a bath. And a bath. Much needed. Well, I think he... I, did he refuse the bath? That was in... Uh, oh, that's episode two? Yeah. Oh, my bad. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. That's why in episode two he says, like, uh, well, I just had one of these, like, yeah. several days ago. Well, you take two in one like, week? This what? Nasty, yeah, nasty what? bastard. Come on, man. Get in there. Uh, my bad, people who haven't watched episode two. But, uh, yeah, it took me a minute after they cut his hair for me to even realize it was the same guy. <laughs> I was like, well, yeah, he looks I was like, like whoa, who's, who's this guy? He looks like shit when you first see it, and then he's like, he's all cleaned up now. You're like, oh, yeah, completely new person. Yeah. Um, he's living the kimono life now, Cade, right. which uh, in preparation for us covering Shogun, I looked into kimonos. There are some dope ones, but they are very pricey. Like the one I found that I want is a vintage. It's $350. 
Ooh, yeah. So we're going to need several hundred more patrons on patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles so that I can uh, justify that purchase. Mm-hmm. Although I do think it's probably a tax write-off. Yeah, you could do it's that. It's for work. Yeah. It's for the show. Like, charge it to the costume department. Anyway, kimonos are tight. Um, Blackthorn gets escorted by some Portuguese sailor named Rodriguez. He's got a beard, also speaks English, refers to Blackthorn as Inglés, which yeah. I think just means English yeah. in uh, Portuguese. Um, so, again, because I was so messed up on the uh, the subtitles for this one, were they ever speaking, like, Portuguese, like... Or was it just English for them? Straight up English to each other. These okay. two, Blackthorn and... Or like, no... Um, well, Japanese other... were always speaking Japanese. Yeah. So and they like, never spoke English. And Blackthorn, was he always speaking English? Or like, I know you're saying, like, I know a little Portuguese. Always speaking English. Okay. Yeah. And like, um, this dude, Rodriguez, he mixes in like a Japanese word here or there. Yeah. I think because he spent so much time with them and is so familiar with the language and... But no, nah, he yeah, just these two speaking English to each other. Japanese okay. always speaking oh, Japanese. Yeah, I wasn't sure if now like they, like they were speaking Portuguese. This had to have been hell for you, dude. It really was. <laughs> I just wasn't sure if I was like losing it or what. Well, but... now you've learned this lesson. You'll never yeah. make this mistake again. Um, so they're headed to Osaka, Rodriguez and uh, Blackthorn. But on the way, massive storm, huge storm. It's one of the issues with ship travel. You know, mm-hmm. hurricanes and such. They're getting rocked. Rodriguez goes completely overboard, and Blackthorn like throws him like a stick or something. Uh, He's he, like, throws, yeah. he throws him like a paddle. Oh, okay, for him yeah. to be able to like help float on. Yeah, and like right before that, I think he said he can't swim. Yeah, he did. He does. Oh, that's so. That's why he throws him something because yeah. he's got nothing going out there. No. He's just like doggy paddling in the <laughs> in the middle of the swell. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so throws him that took me a second to really pick up on what was going on there. I was like, wait, was that the guy Rodriguez that we just met? He's fucking gone. Just like that. He was a goner for sure. So when they get to land, he's like, Hey, I'm pretty sure Rodriguez would be somewhere on this Island, which I don't know how I don't either. I for sure. Like even with, they must have been really close by when we saw what we saw. Mm -hmm. But cause yeah, I was like, that's a hell of an assumption that he made it here. I think he's dead out there, brother. But he goes and looks for him um, after insisting, because at first they're like, fuck you, you're not going to go find this guy. Yeah. Goes and finds him. Um, they find him washed up on the rocks. But the Japanese won't let Blackthorn himself go to save him. For some reason, I, they don't want him to be put in danger. So there's some value being placed on Blackthorn, this uh, barbarian pirate, as it were. Um, and so he realizes, like, well, if they're not going to let me go... You go. He turns to Yabushige and challenges him in front of all of his men. So he takes on the rescue mission rather than turn down a challenge in front of the boys. He doesn't want to get shown up. Yeah. You know, this scene was badass. Yabushige is a badass. He climbs a rope down to Rodriguez. But like probably about, I don't know, four sevenths of the way down the rope. It snaps. He lands on his back. I thought he was gone. Here. He thought he was dead right there. <laughs> yeah, I'm like that's a that's a pretty long fall. It was a big fall. Lands on his back, somehow recovers, drags Rodriguez up to safety, then slips and falls back into the water himself. And rather than let the waves drown him, which they are very clearly about to do, he just like pulls out his sword and is about to do seppuku in the water, just like uh, it's over. I guess yeah. ra- like again, he, like they he, touch he on rather. It. Kill himself. Decide then, how he goes out, yeah. right? Then allow the waves to drown him. Um, but just then, a rescue rope. Hell of a throw. Hell yeah. of a throw from the rescue rope number two guy. Because if he doesn't, if he's not accurate with that rope throw, this guy's stabbing himself no. in the stomach. Or if he's like five seconds. Just late. a little bit too late. Yeah. yeah perfect <laughs> timing here. Uh, rope is thrown his way. Yabushige climbs back up, having like earned the full respect of Blackthorn. Even gets a bow out of him. Blackthorn's like... Basically, like, my bad, dude. Yeah. I shouldn't have challenged you like that. That was, uh, you almost died. And Yabushige just, like, laughs it off. Anyway, that was that was one of my favorite scenes in this first episode. It was obviously kind of a climactic moment. Um, so Toronada, Toronaga, excuse me, enlists Toda Mariko, the woman who talked Fuji out of killing herself when they were going to take her son, 
He's talked Mariko into being his translator when the barbarian we know as Blackthorn arrives. And it should be noted that while Mariko is very beautiful, apparently Toronaga, at one point in the episode, he mentions like he does not concern himself with beautiful women. Oh, that also might have been the beginning of episode two when we do the flashback. Oh, oh yeah. Spoiler alert. Um, well, but yeah, so he's not. Well, he has a kid, right? And I don't know. I don't know if we get any information about like Toronaga's personal life in terms of his actual family, if he has any offspring or what his deal is. Hmm. But he's got this woman, Mariko, that's going to be his translator. Yeah. Um, and also, well, he knew about the ship like pretty early on, but did he know about Blackthorn? Did he find out about that later? Like, oh, they also have like this um, English. Dude. I don't know. They they clearly didn't want to give us how Toronaga is getting his information mm-hmm. in this first episode, at least not that I picked up on. Um, because even when he was aware of the ship, I was like, how is he how does he know that they've got this ship when he sends his like right hand man in his stead to go? Yeah. I was confused about how he had that knowledge in the first place. But um Rodriguez tells Blackthorn that he found a rudder stolen off a Spanish sailor as well as a journal documenting the Catholic bases that Blackthorn and his crew put to the torch. So first of all, the internet tells me a rudder is a mariner's handbook of written sailing directions. And it says, before the advent of nautical charts, rudders were the primary store of geographic information for maritime navigation. So they keep mentioning Magellan's Strait or whatever it is. That's how he was able to know where Magellan's Strait was and traverse it because they've got this rudder. And also, Blackthorn had mentioned when he's down in that hole with the rest of his crew, like, look, these guys don't know who we are. They don't know that we are pirates. Yeah, they just think we're merchants. And as long as they don't find the journal <laughs> and the rudder, we're A-OK. Yep. So, of course, by the end of the episode, Rodriguez has got the journal and the rudder, and they are not necessarily A-OK. Yeah, which kind of makes me hate Rodriguez because, you know, he just saved your life earlier. Yeah, he, he turned took you on the, you the super paddle. quick. For yeah. real, what the fuck? Just switched up on him. Yeah, but I guess, like, okay, so Blackthorn and his ship's orders were plunder any Spanish territory, reach the Japans, and open trade in the New World. And Rodriguez says he's going to turn this evidence over to the Portuguese as soon as they arrive in Osaka. My understanding is that Rodriguez is a part of the other side. So, like, I think the Spanish and Portuguese might be aligned. Yeah. Maybe Spain owns Portugal at this point in history. Not clear. Could get some clarity there from the patrons uh, this week on patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles. But point being, Rodriguez thinks his loyalty demands he turn over this, like, journal and this book, which I was also, again, kind of bummed by because it's like I thought they were going to be tight yeah. Blackthorn and Rodriguez. And maybe they still will be down the line, but this was a pretty clear betrayal here um, that almost ends in them fighting until Rodriguez pulls that yeah, the, pistol on him. Yeah, Blackthorn just grabs a cup, and then uh, Rodriguez is like, ah, yeah, gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> um, so yeah, he's going to turn that evidence over to the Portuguese as soon as they arrive in Osaka. And then episode one, the series premiere, ends with Rodriguez and Blackthorn sailing into Osaka. And we get this, like, a bunch of different visuals shown to us with a Rodriguez voiceover where he says, There is a saying out there, out here, that every man has three hearts one in his mouth for the world to know, another in his chest just for his friends, and a secret heart buried deep where no one can find it. That is a heart a man must keep hidden if he wants to survive. He says, you'll understand soon, Inglis. And who knows, maybe fate brought you here for a reason. Maybe you'll live long enough to find out what it is. And then the final shot we see of the first episode is of Blackthorn um, being brought before Toronaga, bowing before him. And uh, he clearly has like a, a moment with Toda Mariko, the translator, mm-hmm. the hottie in the room. Sparks for flying. Yeah, they give you a little heads up. Like, these two are gonna... Something's gonna happen. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then that is that. That was episode one. And again, similarly to, like, they show us the carrier pigeon scenes, and I'm like, I think I'm supposed to be picking up on something here, but I'm not quite entirely sure. During this voiceover where Rodriguez is dropping these bars on us, tight quotes, by the way, 
um, they show us a bunch of shit that I was like, oh, wait, nope, stop. No, oh, damn it. On to the next one. Oh, fuck. Shit. Where I think I was supposed to be picking up on a lot more. Mm-hmm. And again, another good example of something we can dive deeper into on Patreon just because like I was... I was so overwhelmed by yeah. that point that I was just like, oh, good, it's cut, it's ending. Yeah, an hour 10 long episode, Woo! like, there's a lot. Big one. That they packed in there. It made me wonder if episode two would maybe be, like, 40 minutes or something, like, to make up for the sh- No, it's nope. also a full an hour, hour. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right at the hour mark. Um, so what did we think of episode one? As I set up top, this was a hot start, albeit a very confusing one at different points with a ton of information and characters to absorb, which, as I mentioned, is what felt so much like Game of Thrones for me because I remember watching season one, episode one of Game of Thrones for the first time and being like, what? <laughs> like, who we, that was so many people. I don't, I can't quite tell exactly what's like. You're drawn in, yeah. but they don't give you so much that you like are, it's, it's not entirely obvious like where the entire plot line for that season is going to go based on Season one, episode one. Um, And you can definitely see why they released the first two episodes of Shogun rather than just the premiere. Because you kind of need both, almost, to like get your feet all the way wet and get a feel for where the show is headed, what is going on, who all the characters are, how they're aligned currently. And uh, yeah, so I mean, I think that was a good choice. And having seen episode two... It's easier for me to say that than for those of you who haven't yet, but um, the show looks great, man. I mean, it was this is the most expensive X FX production ever created, so the biggest shot that FX has ever taken. And FX and Hulu, which are basically the same damn thing in my mind at this point, they've done great in terms of establishing themselves in the prestige TV game with. Probably like seven different shows. I mean, like, just think about even recent, like, what? The Bear? The Bear. Um, Dave. Dave. Atlanta. Atlanta. Um, They've got some great comedies, yeah. like What We Do in the Shadows. Snowfall was one that I really enjoyed. Um, yeah, they just got some some high-quality stuff there. And they've been kind of building yeah. for years and years and years now, like, where there have been so many moments where I'm like, damn, is are like Hulu slash FX, like, are they on... Like yeah. HBO's level at this point, like they're right there. They're, yeah, they're getting up there for sure. Fargo is another Fargo, one. Yeah, um, and yeah, they've. I mean, they've done it. They have established themselves. They're taking this huge shot with Shogun, their biggest production ever, and it. The visuals, as a result, I expect them to be solid, and they were. They were. This was a cool. I mean, like, there's a few scenes where they show like a ship pulling into a harbor. It looks dope. Yeah, it looks good. Looks as it should. And I was very impressed by that, very happy with it. I expect we will have some pretty gnarly battle scenes coming down the pipeline eventually. Uh, war is definitely looming, for right? sure. Also, similarly to Thrones, not to keep going back to that comparison, but it's going to happen a lot this season, I imagine. Um, especially season one of Game of Thrones, there's no battles. There's no battle scenes. No. It's all talking. And then there's a big, you know, penultimate episode nine moment where a sudden character death occurs and everybody goes nuts, but... There wasn't a bunch of battling, and this 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 entire episode is so dialogue driven, like it's just characters interacting and you trying to get a feel for whose whose intentions are what and and what the fuck is going on. Um, but because of the marketing, which we've all seen, like they did a seven million dollar Super Bowl commercial, they put a ton of money into marketing the show. Seen it everywhere the past couple weeks. Uh, I'm aware that there are battle scenes coming. Yeah. There's going to be some big fight scenes, and I, I'm very stoked for those. I think they're going to be tight. Uh, I would also note, this is not the first time Shogun, which is based on a 1975 novel by James Clavel, or Clavel, has been turned into a TV show. The novel was previously adapted into a 1980 television miniseries, which I was unaware of. Yeah, I was too. Uh, I was going through like YouTube and... Um... Google just like find pictures and stuff, yeah, um, for like later for production, yeah, and yeah, I kept seeing like the stuff from the, the 1980- old school one, yeah, yeah, you don't want that. That's no, no, that's not that's not what no, you don't want. throw those in the YouTube no. video. Um, but yeah, this is definitely not a show you can be doom scrolling on your phone during. Like there were just again 
being transparent. There were a couple of moments last night where I was like, all right, I'll just... Just Cause real I'm, quick. Because I'm an addict. Yeah. I was like, I'll just sneak in a moment with my phone here. I grab it off the charger and looked at it and then like looked back up and was like, all right, now I have to rewind because I just missed like five lines of dialogue. Yeah, and, and they're speaking important. in Japanese yeah, the whole time. Yeah, I'm supposed to be reading the fucking subtitles, man. Yeah. Like, See, you know, I could have done that because I'm just an idiot. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> you were listening to the dubbed over god-awful God, dog yeah, shit. No, that- now I have to watch it again. Yeah, and yeah the third time. I need to figure out how to find that version. It, but. Hey, at least you'll be super, super familiar with yeah. episodes one and two by right. the time it's all said and done. Uh, but yeah, got to be locked the fuck in when you're watching this one because there is a lot being thrown at you, and most of the time it's in Japanese, so you're having to speed read while you're trying to take in the acting at the same time, which is definitely challenging. It can be a little bit tiring, frankly. Um, but very good stuff here. Very good start. Very excited for what Shogun has to offer. As I mentioned, episodes one and two already out and available for you to watch. This is strange. I was looking at the release schedule, and episode three comes out uh, next this upcoming Monday at 11 p.m. Is that like 11 our time or Don't like know. midnight? Just oh, said okay. 11 p.m. Uh, this is on my Hulu, so I was assuming it's like my time zone, okay, yeah. but maybe not. But episode four comes out March 11th at 11 p.m. March... 11th is a Sunday. So mm. episode three dropping on a Monday night, episode four dropping on a Sunday night at 11 p.m. Now, maybe they have it mislabeled right now on Hulu. I don't know, but that just struck me as really odd. Yeah. Especially because the first two episodes dropped on Tuesday. It's like, what, they just couldn't pick a day? We're just yeah, going to bounce around and hit the whole whatever, week? Whatever feels right. Good Lord. Um, but yeah, so episode two is titled Servants of Two Masters, out now. And available to watch. This first episode was titled Anjin, um, which again, I think Japanese for pilot, which they keep referring to our boy uh, Blackthorn as. Um, I would also note, I had a friend watch this like on FX. I guess he doesn't have Hulu. He watched it on FX, and he said there was a commercial every like four to five minutes, and that it took him an hour and 38 minutes to watch the series premiere as a result. That's a miserable viewing experience. No, that would drive me insane. You can't watch this show with commercials. No. Think about any epic drama, like especially historical, that nothing will take you out of it more than like, you know, a Tabasco commercial (laughs) popping up in the middle of you trying to be sucked into feudal Japan. A Burger King Whopper commercial. Right, like, yeah, that's not... Every four minutes, yeah. Oh, those aren't the vibes you're looking for. So, yeah, you gotta... (laughs) You gotta find a way to watch this thing without commercials. If that was you this week, also just who the fuck has an hour and forty minutes for one episode of TV? That's yeah, that's crazy. Um, fortunately, that was not me, as I have Hulu, and I think even Hulu, like, isn't there a Hulu subscription where you have commercials that's yep. cheaper? They're all doing this now. Now I'm paying extra for the Hulu without mm-hmm. commercials. I'm paying extra for the Amazon Prime without commercials. We're just getting yeah. destroyed over I watched, here. I watched it on YouTube TV. I was expecting commercials, but. I wasn't watching it live. Yeah. Um, so like, like I don't on, know on demand on y- YouTube TV. Yeah, but even then, like you still get commercials for most shows. So I don't know why this one. Maybe because they recognized like, that, like this is terrible for the the experience, yeah. and we're trying to get some fucking momentum here with mm-hmm. our first ever episode. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we'll be back later this week on Patreon.com/slash Oysters Clams Cockles. If you're on Patreon in the Mollusk Militia. Get your hotline calls in. We are focusing on episode one only this week. Barrett and I, when he is back in town from his honeymoon, will do a public episode like this early next week, uh, probably Monday. Well, I guess... Go Tuesday? Yeah, because Monday night is when the episode comes out. So probably Tuesday afternoon, our episode will come out covering Shogun episode two and three. But this week... On Patreon.com slash Oysters, Clams, Cockles. We'll take hotline calls and focus even more on episode one, hopefully answering some of the questions that uh, came up during our podcast today. And that will do it for today's show. But remember, we are available on all the major podcast platforms, but also in full video on YouTube.com slash at Oysters, Clams, Cockles for your viewing pleasure. Please subscribe on YouTube. Throw us a like. Leave a comment. We got a ton of momentum on YouTube during our True Detective Night Country coverage. Shout out to those of you who are here because you found us there. Uh, coming up on like 20,000 views on the, oh, damn. the season finale of True Detective Night Country, which is really impressive for us. Very cool to find a new platform where we can get some new listeners slash viewers. 
uh, into our audience, members of the Clam Fam. Welcome if you're new here. Happy to have you. We appreciate you. But yeah, everybody, even if you're a podcast person, it helps us out a lot if you'll go subscribe on youtube.com slash at Oysters Clams Cockles. And then if you're already there watching, of course, subscribe, throw us a like, leave a comment down below. It means a lot to us. Thank you. Uh, for more from me, Ross Bolin, check out the Ross Bolin podcast, wherever podcasts are played. Frankly, if, for more of me and Cade, as Cade is typically my co-host on the Ross Bolin podcast. Um, you can get RBP, as it's called, wherever you get OCC. You can also watch RBP on YouTube.com slash at the Ross Bolin podcast. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at W-R-B-O-L-E-N at W-R-B-O-L-E-N. Mr. Kate Orris, thank you for stepping in today or sitting in, as it were, for Barrett in his absence. Where can the people follow you? Yeah, you can follow me on all the social media platforms at Kade Orris. That's K-A-D-E-O-R-R-I-S. Go to bowlandmedia.com slash shop to grab yourself some merch. And other than that, thank you for being here today. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Until next time, we look forward to hearing everyone's reactions on Patreon and reading them on social media. Holler at us. Until then, yar.